We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Andrew Claudio, here with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. If you've enjoyed the last two weeks of shows where Jeremy and I were running the ship, first of all, thank you. And second of all, you're welcome. Jeremy and I really wanted to put together two weeks of shows that you would enjoy with some guests that you would be interested in hearing. And if you've hated the last two weeks of shows with Jeremy and I running the ship, never fear. John is back in the next episode on Monday from his brand new location. And if you have no idea what that means, first of all, shame on you. You're not subscribed to the newsletter. And I'll let him explain exactly what that means on Monday. As you can tell from the length of this episode, there is not much to talk about. So we're on the bit of the shorter side. Um there's just flat out not much going on in the NBA right now. There's a fascinating Ben Simmons situation, which I can't wait to see how it plays out. And we'll discuss on Monday when John and Jeremy are back together. As far as Knicks news goes, there's videos going around of RJ Barrett shooting off the dribble. Great. Can't wait to see him put it into practice in games that matter and not open gyms. Uh, and that's not RJ slander. I've just lived through the DSJ looks great in preseason or off-season workout videos. Um, I'm glad to see RJ's working on his game. I just don't react to games against non-NBA players or clips against non-NBA players that way. And then, like, Nerland's Noel owns Kendrick Perkins' lunch, which, as you heard on Sunday, I am a fan of because I don't want to hear from Kendrick Perkins ever, 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 ever. Uh, there's not much going on, guys. We are in the dog days of the NBA offseason, but that is not going to stop us from putting out NBA content, which leads to the episode you're getting today. Last week, Jeremy sat down with New York Times, LA Times, all the times, 
best-selling author, Mirren Fader. She just recently wrote a book on Giannis called Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. She has impeccable timing because the book's release schedule and release press tour just so happened to coincide with Giannis's first run to an NBA championship, which might lead to an edited version of the final chapter and new release of the book in the not too distant future. Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA champion. Um, the book is really well done. I read it while I was on my New England vacation a couple weeks ago, and you really get an understanding in the player empowerment era. Why this guy, one of the stars in our league, the first one in a long time, decided to stay. You know, like obviously Steph Curry has stayed and others have actually stayed in their situation. But in the era of LeBron going to uh, leaving his team three different times and KD leaving his team twice and all of these different stars trying to force trades midway into their long term commitments, Giannis stayed and some of us might have been a bit confused why he decided to stay in Milwaukee long term. Read the book and you will understand. I, I hate using the term rags to riches because I think it demeans someone's situation as rags. But this would qualify as one of those stories. The situation he grew up in over in Greece is one that the moment that he received any success or stability here in America, he was going to be grateful for. And you really get a good sense of the type of person he is, type of big kid that he can be at times. There's a really fun story of him at a Walmart. Like imagine Giannis, like big six ten dude, like in the cart at Walmart being pushed around by his, his brother. Like that's Giannis. Like it's just a, a big teenager in Superman's body. Um, I think it's a fascinating read. I think you guys will enjoy the book. If you want to check it out again, it's called Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP. And it's available on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Let's hear from the author, Jeremy's conversation with the one and only best-selling author, Mirren Fader. Here with us on the Knicks Film School podcast is a guest who needs no introduction, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, you may have seen her work for The Ringer, uh, previously with the Bleacher Report, but now I'm very pleased to say uh, she is a New York Times bestselling author um, and has written Giannis, uh, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP, Mirren Fader. Mirren, how are you? Hi, I'm good. It's so good to be here with you. I'm, I'm just... Taking it all in. That was such a nice bio. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, I, you know, I mean, this, this is such a great story. As I was saying to you, you know, I, I've been, I got it this weekend and I've just been tearing through it and I'm usually a very slow reader. So that just goes to show how much I'm enjoying this. Um, but this book was originally supposed to be a profile on Giannis's younger brother, Alex. And then it, it turned into this. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about how this all kind of came to be in that sense? Yeah, this was never supposed to be a thing. Um, I just got extremely lucky and I went to Alex's home and I never thought Giannis would be there. I thought he'd be out doing MVP things and he was just there. And I, the more I, you know, spent time with him and his brother, Alex and their mom, Veronica, I was like, you know, this, this profile kind of reveals more about Giannis than it does Alex. And, um, I had been looking to do a book and, you know, when the story came out, I was like, wait, there's so many layers to Giannis's story. So many human compelling things that I was like, I think this is a book. Well, it certainly had the material for, it, and I guess was Alex okay knowing that 
his material went towards a book and not the story? Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that because, um, I mean, luckily the story was there as well. And so you have both. But some reader wrote, there's so much Alex in here. And <laughs> I'm like, well, Alex is kind of like one of the most important things in the world to Giannis. So, you know, it is his story, but it's also it's a family story. Absolutely. And I think the family theme is such a huge part. And, you know, Giannis, his compassion, um, it just I love the story about how they went Christmas caroling and he felt so much pride with buying a television with the money that they had. And, and that really represented something that the family could partake in. Um, and, and then kind of connecting that even with after the finals where he had the courtesy in, in that moment at the Chick-fil-A to ask the server or, or the person taking his order, can I put you on camera? I, I mean, you know, you're basically, you're, you're so good at taking these players and reducing them to the people that they are and showing us how they're just like us. Can you walk us through your process and how you're able to to get someone like Giannis and, and open up and, and really get to that point? Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, I, I think first it's like the way you look at them, right? Like when I when I see people on the bench, you know, or people on the court, I'm thinking like, I wonder where they came from. I wonder who their parents are. I wonder what their childhood was like. And I think when you just have that curiosity and lens, seeing them as human beings first, athletes second, you're going to naturally ask questions of them that, you know, show them that you're genuinely wanting to know more about them as a person. Sometimes I forget to ask about basketball because I'm so... (laughs) That sounds ridiculous, but there's just so much stuff I want to know about who they are. And, you know, the sport they play is obviously a big part of who they are, but it's not everything. And I think sometimes athletes can sense like, oh, she's asking about my mom. Like she wants to know about where I grew up. Like, that's interesting. I usually just get asked, what team do I want to play for? So I think sometimes, you know, there's a intimacy built based on just asking sincere questions that are more well-rounded. Of course. And, you know, I mean, it's certainly evident. And I guess for our listeners, for maybe those who have not had the opportunity yet to pick up a copy, quite simply, what about this story do you find to be maybe the most improbable? I think that the fact that he was undocumented really made all of this ever more improbable. Like, I don't think people realize how, you know, impossible it seemed to go to the NBA because he literally did not have a passport when this all started. Like it was very hard to scout him because he couldn't leave the country. And I think that alone, and of course, not to mention all of the really difficult things he dealt with as far as the racism that he experienced and all the other ways that, you know, he and other black migrants um, were treated was just really hard. And so I think you take the, the undocumented part alone and it's like, it's a, it's a freaking miracle that the Greek government gave him citizenship at the last minute. It's a miracle that the Bucks drafted him. Like all of these things could have easily not happened. Yeah, I remember, you know, way back when, when he didn't have the nationality and I thought like, oh, well, you know, I mean, he, his family is from Nigeria and he must have Nigerian citizenship. No, he, I mean, to think, as you're saying, where if something were to happen with his parents, where they could go to Nigeria, but what happens to Giannis and his brothers? Where, where do they go? They're, as you said in your chapter, they're stateless. Um, so, I mean, I, how exactly, and I'm curious because with Greece and a pandemic and everything going on, how did that affect you in your process for writing? 
a lot. Uh, <laughs> it was very, <laughs> oh God, it was, let me just preface, a lot of people had their lives ruined by this pandemic and had really, really hard things. And I was a very lucky human. And so I, I when I say things were hard, I just mean in the most, you know, easy of senses compared to the rest of the people around the world. But it was so hard because I was supposed to go to Greece and I wanted to walk the streets that Giannis walked and smell the streets and describe the streets. And that's like really hard to do when you're in your apartment <laughs> by yourself for a year. And so for me, I was like, okay, well, shoot, the publisher is not like, well, it's a pandemic. We'll give you some more time. They're like, it, it's due. So I was just <laughs> like, okay. And I had to figure it out. So my mentality the whole year was like, writers, right. Reporters report. I got to figure this out. Um, so I would wake up super, super early every day and I would start uh, interviewing people in Greece over WhatsApp or Viber um, at like 6 a.m. my time in Los Angeles and just say like, hey, can you, you know, because I can't be there because of COVID, can you help me figure out what this looks like? Can you describe it to me? So it was really hard. But at the same time, like maybe it forced me to be a little bit more relentless in, in my pursuit of, of detail. Well, I mean, it's, it was what, 221 people that you interviewed? Yes, yes. That's just an astounding amount. Uh, and, and in terms of, you know, there are moments where you're incredibly descriptive about some of the environments that, or, or businesses, buildings that, you know, so there, were, were you relying mostly on like Google Images at that point or Google Earth, or did you get access to other photos? How did it work? It's so crazy. I hired a researcher on the ground who would like send me videos and photos. I say, can you go to his high school? Can you double confirm that he went there? Can you take pictures of his high school? And, you know, because it's, it's, I mean, nothing will ever be this hard because you're working in another language. So there's that. It's not just like, oh, I'm not geographically there. It's like, I can't Google Giannis's high school because that's never been reported which high school he went to. I can't Google like Giannis's playground. Like these things just don't exist. And so it was a lot of like asking his coaches, like, okay, what high school did he go to? Who were his friends that lived next door to him? And, and, and those people would then send me photos and I would try to verify their identities in that way. That was really hard too. Like I said, you can't Google Giannis's childhood friends and find names. Like this is all through just straight up old school reporting and vetting and asking people. Yeah. It seemed like there were just some connections where I'm thinking like, how on earth did, did Mirren get from this person that, but as you're saying, just great reporting. So um, a lot yeah, of caffeine, so, a lot of I, caffeine. I'll I tell bet. you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I know that, Everyone has kind of made this comment, um, but it, it can't be said how perfect the timing of Giannis getting <laughs> this title was. Um, and I'm sure that it's it's tough to kind of root from the sidelines and you try to stay neutral as a as a journalist. But you know, what is your mind like throughout this postseason? Where they're, I mean, they're down what three two to the Nets, and they crawl their they claw their way back and they beat uh, what we know as a, a tough Hawks team and come back from a two nothing deficit to beat the Suns and win a title. And all while, you know, we're fearing the worst about his knee from that play. What is going through your mind through this whole process? 
I am going insane. I the emotional wherewithal on me, you know, I, I just it, it's been like seven weeks of pure chaos in, in this here brain. Like I remember the day that we were waiting to see if Giannis was like done for the season. Like I woke up so stressed that morning and I was in the um audio I was recording the audiobook and you're not allowed to have your phone on and stuff because of the sound and it was like a six hour session and after every like chapter I would just go back into my bag like to see if there's been a Giannis alert because I was like everything comes down to this you know <laughs> and it's just like it, it just really brought me you know first of all it brought me joy it made me stress it was exciting it was scary it was nerve-wracking it was insane my parents and I watched every game I'm not gonna lie I was a Bucks fan I mean, technically, as everyone has told me, you were rooting for you. This is selfish. You were not rooting for the Bucks, but I'm like, okay, true. But, you know, it was fun because normally I'm just, I'm so old school. I won't even let my sources buy me coffee. You know, I'm like, no, don't do that. I'll get fired. You know, um, just vary by the book. But this is different. This was like a once in a lifetime dream. So I was like, go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just. Even still, it's such a great story. I mean, but that's the thing, right? You can always find a great angle and a great story with one player on on a team and how uplifting that can be. But this just happens right. to be your reason. And it's a really good reason to, to why you should root for them and why you did. Um, Thank you for validating what I needed to hear. Appreciate it. Of course, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, um, have you spoken with Giannis since the Bucks won? No, I don't know what I, I don't know what they think, but they've had the book for a really long time. Um, they were the first to get it. So hopefully mm -hmm. they like it. I, I'm sure they did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are there any good anecdotes or stories that you want to share that, you know, maybe didn't make the cut for the book, but but you feel are just so compelling? This is a really good question. And I'm kicking myself because I should have. I should have had this in my back pocket. Um, um, I think there was just more in depth about the struggle to get the papers. I think it was like really hard to whittle that down because there was a lot of middlemen that like, it's not really going to mean much to the reader to just tell you like two paragraphs of all the uh, anonymous people behind the scenes. Um, so there was just more there. There was more Jason Kidd. I'm sure people would like that. All the aggregators of the internet um, yep. <laughs> who didn't bother to look at the context. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer. I I think my brain is broken from this experience. And <laughs> <laughs> as you know, I'm going on vacation next week. Yes. <laughs> Listen, if, if I had to do as many interviews as you've been doing, I would be in the same position. So that is totally fine. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Can you tell us a little bit more about the relationship between these four brothers? I mean, you know, of course, yeah. Francis as well, but given the fact that he's not in Greece, um, you know, what is it like? Because it's just, they seem to share everything. Um, I loved what you had written about how, it might, I think it was Thanasis, I, I can't remember exactly, but, or basically, or saying along the lines of like, it's very easy to not have fights when you oh, share yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, that was, I remember that. That was Alex, and he was like, people are surprised by that. They're like, how do you not fight? How do you not argue? And it's like, well, if nothing was given to us individually, like, what's there to fight about? And, you know, it's, I, I think I think what's so interesting about their bond is that um, it's, there's no jealousy. Like, you know, Thanasis had every reason to be jealous of Giannis. You know, Yo- younger brother's dreams happened before his. People did not consider Thanasis talented at all whatsoever. His move to the Bucks largely a move to court Giannis, you know? And he was like the happiest person in the world for Giannis. And, you know, Kosa's career has not gone the way, obviously, now Thanasis has or Giannis. And he's like so thrilled for them. You know, there's no, there's no animosity there. And it's really genuine. Um, they're also just really... Um, they're really funny together. Like one scene um, that didn't make the book, actually, maybe this is a good for your for your other question, because um, it was in the BR story, but it didn't make the book. Um, when I was talking with Alex in the family's basement, um, when I was doing the story, his phone rings and then he's like starts talking in Greek. And obviously I have no idea what's going on. And then I ask him like, hey, who was that? And he was like, oh, it's my brother. I'm like, really? Which one? He's like, oh, Giannis. And I was like, isn't he upstairs? And he's just like. <laughs> 
Yeah, he just wanted to check on me to make sure I was okay in my interview. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing ever. You know, it's like Big Brother is like checking on you, even though he's just a mere stairway away, you know? So there's close and then there's like this family close. It's totally different than other people. Yeah, and the sense of how... What, Giannis is more stressed out watching Alex's games <laughs> than he is in an, a semifinal appearance? I was like, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> God, that is a lot of pressure on Alex, okay? <laughs> yeah, and he meant it. He was not joking. At first, I thought he was joking when Giannis said that to me, but he, he was, like, dead serious. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, now I get it. Now I get why you guys have such a strong work ethic because there is an expectation there and a, a focus with which you, you practice with. And I also found that quote interesting because I think a lot of people over the years obviously so focus on Giannis's athleticism and his body and what a freak of nature. But when he says quotes like that, to me, I think it really speaks to mental fortitude and, um, you know, a toughness cerebrally that I think isn't covered as much. So I, I, I find that personally to be one of the most interesting parts about Giannis, the way he thinks and sees the game. Sure. And then, I mean, even off the court, it seems like he's completely unfazed by everything going on. I'm sure a lot of opposing fans might like to get credit for counting to 10 uh, <laughs> far too quickly and throwing him off of his game. But uh, from from what I'm reading, it doesn't seem like he cares at all or he just blocks it out at all. I mean, it's like, what is a counting down or like a meme going to do when you've dealt with hunger and, you know, the, the loss of your father and, you know, just figuring out like, okay, we just got evicted. We got to go by sundown. You know, I, I just think that there's a maturity to Giannis that caused him to have a, a really healthy life perspective. You know, from a young age, he, he learned what is important in life and what is not. And, um, He's just been trained to, to focus on things he can control. And that's why I think, you know, none of that other stuff phases him. And it's become cliche. You know, I'm sure we all read interviews with athletes and say, I don't care what people think, like whatever. And then they actually do. And they're like searching their name. But I really think that he doesn't. I really think so. Um, it's very genuine in this case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's just, I mean, in terms of Milwaukee, right? Because he, he could have, had the opportunity to leave. Um, That was certainly on the table, but he decided to stay um, despite, you know, any struggles that the team went through and, and they committed and they obviously Chris Middleton excelled and trading for Drew Holiday. Does it make more sense now kind of after profiling him for this, why he would stay? Um, in the sense of how is it like more of a, a family aspect where he, he really feels at home uh, because he could have gone anywhere. I mean, anyone, any team would have given up anything for him on earth, but what do you think was it that really kept him rooted in Milwaukee? I mean, I think it is a couple of things. I mean, you know, he still remembers that they took a chance on him and drafted him. And, you know, it's not like he was drafting. He's like, you're lucky to have me. He was like, I'm going to prove to this city that I I'm worthy. And he never forgot that they not only took a chance on him, but nurtured him like a son, you know, everyone in the organization treated him um, like he was family and they always have. And I think that that was very important to him. I do know that like the family also just really does like the city of Milwaukee, you know, apparently Veronica didn't want the mom didn't want to leave. She's like, I like it here. And I know, you know, Alex of course built his roots there as well, you know, and he had been there since um, middle school. Um, 
you know, just spending the formative years of his teenage years there. So as a family, it made so much sense. But when this thing came out with the Brewers um, last week or whenever that was, I was like, oh, my God. So I guess he really was always going to stay, you know. But at the time, it, it really felt like it could go either way. Yeah. No, I mean, the fact that, as you're saying, with the Brewers and how rooted he is, it's kind of it feels like Aaron Rodgers, but maybe without yeah. the drama towards the end of Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> career, at least. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and, I mean, do you, it seems like Giannis also thinks that Alex could still be better than him. Is that, do you think that's still the case even after all of this now? It is. And every time I like hear that or think that I'm like, no, but then I'm like, wait, remember Giannis as an 18 year old, he was skinny. He was scrawny. He wasn't Giannis. Um, and all the brothers told me that where Alex is developmentally in terms of his shot, he actually has a really nice outside shot. Um, dribbling, all defense, all these things is ahead of where Giannis was at this exact point. So that's encouraging, but also like, does he have the same work ethic as his brother? You know, I, I don't know. It kind of a mixed bag, um, just talking with his high school coaches and stuff. Um, but then he just won a championship with the, the Sacramento summer league team. So I don't know. I think, yeah. I think it's really hard to be the fourth. I mean, it's hard to be the third, but it is really hard to be the fourth. <laughs> Ad admittedly as an only child, it's just, it's for me, it's one and done, but I <laughs> can right. imagine for, you know, for the several siblings by a certain point, it's, it's definitely difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it, it's actually really fascinating. I hadn't thought of it before, but the idea of how, you know, you, you've written about how Alex is really growing up in an environment that's so, different from where Thanasis and Giannis even coast us to an extent of what they grew up in moving to America and, and having the resources that Giannis didn't have at his disposal. Is that maybe going to keep him? Is, is he going to be a little less motivated because he has more or is it going to make him more motivated because of what he has and who's in his corner? Um, I think the jury's still out. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're waiting to see. You know, I thought Giannis's quote when he said to me, um, you know, I did not. It's easy to be motivated when you have everything, a.k.a. what Alex has. I didn't have a choice. I had to be motivated. And Giannis said that to me. And, you know, I, I do think I do think Alex has has had such a radically different high school experience. Like part of the reason he didn't go to college, as I say in my book, is because he just didn't have the grades because he was always out with Giannis and um, he was living the pro life. You know, so in some ways, Alex is extra prepared for the pros because he was around it all the time. And he and he's watch practices. He knows what it takes to compete. So I think he's really talented. I think it's up to him. We'll, we'll see what he does. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Well, Miran, thank you. This has been such a wonderful opportunity and experience. You know, this is such a great book. I encourage all of you out there to please pick up a copy. Um, I know you're going on vacation, but. Is there anything that you have in the works that you feel comfortable sharing or that you'd like to plug in addition to uh, this, this copy? Well, uh, I am doing some football stuff. I can't say what, but um, I really do like being the weirdo that goes from like a billion different sports and beats. And I just kind of go with what interests me. So it's been, I haven't done football in, in what feels like forever. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, thank cool. you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I really appreciate it.
Our pleasure. Thank you, Miran. Can I jump in with one thing at the end? Uh, by the way, I'll echo everything Jeremy said about the book being outstanding. Also, 221 interviews. Not sure I've ever talked to 221 <laughs> people in my life. So bravo on that. Uh, you know, you've done the greatest, ath- maybe the greatest athlete in Milwaukee history outside of Luau Cinder. But the next step, if you're going to football, there's another great Wisconsin quarterback that you has been in the news lately that if you're going to be as thorough on Giannis, maybe we could finally get, you want to talk about family issues. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is just waiting for you to show up and finally write his story, Miran. Look, I dropped a Devonte Adams profile earlier this year and mm. everyone was like, what is up with you and Wisconsin? And I was <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so maybe we'll see something. Uh-huh. I can see it now, Jeremy, like the reason Aaron Rodgers will talk to his family is because of the introspection that Miran got out of him. That's what's going to end up happening. I believe it. Manifest it. Manifest there you go. It. There, there you go. go. All started on the Knicks Film School podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Miran. And again, um, promoting Giannis, the improbable NBA MVP in stores now uh, and by audiobook narrated by... Yes. By Mirren. So um, go get yourself a copy. Awesome. Thanks. There we go. Thank you, Mirren. Shout out to Mirren for coming on today's pod. If you want to check out the book, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP, head on over to Amazon or wherever books are sold and pick it up. We will put a link to said book in the episode description you are listening to right now. Also, shout out to Julito and Keith Smith and John Schmelk and everybody that's listened over the past two weeks, that's contributed over the last two weeks. I I really appreciate any of the, the feedback and support that we've gotten, even if you hated the last two weeks and made it known. We appreciate it. But never fear, as I mentioned earlier, Monday, the return of the Mac. Uh, John will be back here on the show. And if you want to give him a great welcome home present, you know what you can do. Head on over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. Have a good weekend. Um, For those of you that experienced some of the... I don't know if it's effects because what happened with the flooding the last couple of days is not just effects. Um, if you were affected by the flooding in different parts of the city, different parts of Jersey, the end of my block um, was underwater and would have gone up to my knees if I wasn't on a on a third floor and on the top of a hill. Uh you know, just stay safe and uh, our thoughts are with you. And I I really hope nothing serious has happened that uh, causes you to really have to go through something. Um, I'm trying to talk around it because like there's a much more serious situation down south, but I'm not trying to minimize what's happened to us up north. Um, I just will just encourage everybody stay safe out there. Have as good a weekend as possible. If you can go see the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi is in theaters. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday and I'll speak with you soon. Peace out. Peace out.